Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission-minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant-garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right. Welcome to episode 22 of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I am so glad that you are here today with me, my friend. Today, I'm going to share something that you may be very surprised to hear. Leaving your business is actually good business. Leaving your business is actually good business. It's one of the many counterintuitive aspects of business, of any business really, in any part of the world, but especially in social business. It's so hard to do. In fact, many of us almost have to make ourselves do it. But believe it or not, it is one of the best ways for your business to grow. More importantly, it's one of the best ways for you to set your social business up for scaling, or in other words, expanding your impact beyond your current location. In this episode, I'm going to lay down a few universal truths about spending time away from your social enterprise and give you some tips on how to smooth the ride while you're away. A little behind the scenes, I may have shared this with you before, but I don't actually decide the title of the podcast and the episode until after it's recorded. So at this point, I'm not sure what the title will be, but internally, the title of this podcast is called Home for the Holidays and I am freaking out. (laughs) So a lot of you are leaving your social enterprise behind and returning to visit family for Christmas and the holiday season in general. So Even though this episode is airing during the holiday season, this episode is actually a reference for everyone, anytime. I have tons of firsthand experience in this area, tons of stories I could share. And as you know, if you've listened to episode three, one of the things that I really value in life, probably the thing I value most in life is my freedom. I'd like to share a quote with you from Shel Silverstein, the author of The Giving Tree and lots of other books of poetry. He says, the two most important things in life are a comfortable pair of shoes and the freedom to walk away. I value freedom for myself. I advocate for freedom for others, as many of you do. And I'm a huge fan of social entrepreneurs who help their employees find and express their own personal freedom wherever possible. That includes freedom from the emotional turmoil of traumatic experiences, physical freedom to get on a bus and get to their desired destination, mental freedom to know what they're capable of doing, whether that's a task or anything they set their minds to. 
I'm also a proponent of social entrepreneurs to not be prisoner to their business, to be free to step away from time to time. One of the most valuable lessons I've learned is that you should always be trying to work yourself out of a job. I'm not sure I heard that quote the first time I heard it or read it. I think I read it somewhere, but I remember the feeling. First, shock. That's possible. Second, it was a bit of a sting to my pride, thinking, wow, they can do it without me. And third, exhilaration. I can be free. So to me, working yourself out of a job essentially means training, delegating, and empowering others in your organization to make the right things happen without you. The best place for us to put this to the test is to, well, leave, to step away. Especially for entrepreneurs, it's so easy to become a prisoner to our own palace, to become captive to our own making. And sometimes the hardest thing to do is to walk out of our freedom, whether that is physical, emotional, or spiritual. Yet the only way to experience freedom is to walk it out, to intentionally step away. I'll give you some universal truths about stepping away from our businesses. Number one, it's necessary. Number two, it's hard. Number three, it's scary. Number four, it's worth it. So let's dive into these. First, it's necessary. At some point, you are going to have to leave your social enterprise in the hands of someone else. Maybe your official residence is in another country and you have to leave your social enterprise because of holidays, visa requirements, family matters like illnesses or new babies. Possibly your family isn't in another country, but another village that might as well be another country because it takes so much effort to get there. And your mom, your grandma, or your auntie calls you home. And you know what I'm talking about. She's probably calling you by your whole name, all three, four, five, or six of them, depending on where you're from. And saying no to her is not an option. Or perhaps you live in the same town or village is your social enterprise, but you have to leave for a vacation or holiday. I mean, it is so important to step away sometimes just for a reset or you get ill or you travel to a conference. We're able to be out and about on the planet again. So maybe you travel to a conference or a meeting with other people who are like you for personal or business development. There are lots of reasons why you will be away from your social enterprise eventually. Even if it seems nowhere near, it's important to be prepared. So for those of you who have left or or are leaving soon, my hope is that this episode will give you confidence and peace that you've done all the right things and can really be present with your family and friends, whether that's on the other side of the world or the next village over. The second universal truth of stepping away from your, of your biz, from your business, it's hard. It's important to know that there will be a billion reasons and quote unquote signs that you're not supposed to go. Anytime something great is going to happen for you or for others in your life, there will be forces that try to keep you from going. And it seems like the more you move off your plate, the more it feels like your grandmother's standing over you 
heaping spoons of food onto your plate. You just know that the greater the resistance, the greater the impact. So if you've received a word from your spirit that you're supposed to go somewhere, likely it happened a few weeks or months ago. And that was given to you in a more peaceful time when you could hear your spirit more clearly and be objective. Stick with that plan. That's your spirit. That's what's best for you. This, this feeling that you feel this chaos is your soul is in turbulence and it has good intentions. It wants to keep you safe, but many times safe equals stuck. Just know that the turbulence will pass. You get on the plane or on the bus and life will go on. So just a quick little story for you about this one, about it being hard. I think it's really important to elaborate here on this one. So before the days of Google Drive, digital signatures, and $10 a day international internet access, keeping a domestic business running smoothly while traveling was not nearly as easy as it is today. So when I traveled internationally, I had this massive checklist. It's basically a workflow that starts two months before my departure date. Basically, it includes my packing list, all the logistics prep, and this gradual handoff of active active projects to my team. So for much of my career, all of my travel was for humanitarian work. It was not for pleasure. So that meant that even if I did get to somehow get internet access, I really needed to stay focused on the mission. Plus, it always seemed to happen on trips that even if everyone else was somehow able to connect to the hotel's internet service, I was not. (laughs) So after noticing this pattern, I just kind of gave up the panic and frustration and said, well, I guess I'm not supposed to be connected. And even knowing these things, I would get so anxious about the handoff of the active projects to my team. Why? Because first of all, I don't like giving people messes. I was also really concerned about making mistakes. One of the business I owned was really a a zero defect industry and mistakes happen, but when they did, there could be a serious mess to clean up. So I had this thing that I, it's called a hanging file. It was basically an organizer that sat on my desk and it was black made of this iron like material. And it was designed to hold folders for client files and project files. I can still see this image sitting on my desk before I left for this one particular trip. It was the fullest it had ever been. It was stuffed with orange, red, green, and blue folders, all for different types of clients. And it had tabs and posts sticking out all over the place, (laughs) indicating what action was required. We had so many uh, pending client transactions. Some required client signatures, some back office processing, some were waiting for some other action step. I was always kind of sick feeling and anxious about leaving, but this time I was super nervous about what was going to happen when I was away. We had a lot of revenue on the line, meaning transactions needed to happen and happen smoothly, especially for the clients. And I kept thinking, man, I shouldn't go. I shouldn't leave. I completed the final handoff. And you know the feeling, trying to squeeze everything in at the last minute as the minutes tick by. 
and your brain is fried, your team is exhausted, and they really just want to go home. They leave, you stay. Oh, I'll just get a few more tasks done, get these moved along just a little bit farther. And you think, what am I thinking leaving right now? What am I thinking? So I left the office after it was dark to go home and finish my packing, then get up extra early to review my notes so I could email or call my team with last minute details at the airport before my flight. I'm thinking, seriously, I wonder if they'll just give me a credit for my plane ticket. (laughs) I was completely wiped out before the trip began. And no, there's no sleeping for me in airplane seats, no matter how long the flight. So I'm thinking, I'm sure someone can take my place. Are you with me? Are you exhausted just by listening to the story? (laughs) Do you feel like, yes, I've said all those things multiple times. Okay, so I got on the plane, went on the trip, mission complete, I'm back home. So excited to get back to the office to see this hanging file empty because all the files have been processed and made significant progress. I opened my office door, rounded the corner into my office, anticipating the black iron frame, nearly empty, you know, sitting on top of my desk. And guess what I saw? The exact same folders (laughs) filling the hanging file. No black iron frame, just the orange file that was in front when I left, as well as all of the other red, green, and blue ones with their post-its and tabs sticking out. Nothing happened with any of those client files while I was gone. Two weeks. All the stress of getting all that stuff ready, wanting it to be perfect for the clients and easy for my team, and not one thing moved. Now, this wasn't my team's fault. This was more of a function of whether the clients were ready or not. And you know that we can encourage clients, but pushing them is not good. So this wasn't about my team. It was about none of the clients were ready. So why am I telling you this? Because yes, leaving is hard, but I've made it harder on myself than it needs to be. And I'm hoping my experience gives you a little bit of peace about leaving things undone. And most of all, to know that if you're called to go, you go. I mentioned this a little before when I talked about your soul, your soul, your ego, that clamoring voice inside your head that's telling you to not go is really just trying to keep you safe. Your spirit, though, that still small voice that two months ago told you to go will not lead you astray. Third universal truth about leaving your social enterprise. It's scary. It just is. Yes, it's so important, not just for you and your family, both the family that lives with you and those that you're going to visit, but it's also important for your staff. Why? How are they going to know what they're capable of if you're always there? Technically, always available to do it for them. This is especially true in patriarchal cultures. So people don't want to overstep. They don't want to overstep what they perceive their boundaries to be, and they certainly do not want to disrespect you. It can be scary because many of us find at least some, if not a significant part of our identity is in our business. Sometimes it's easier to deal with work than with life. 
This is because we are sure of who we are when we're working. When we get away from business, the dynamic is different. People outside our business may not really understand what we're doing or why we're doing it. We may get questions we really can't answer, and we may even feel like we don't belong. But that's okay, because one of two things is going to happen in that scary space outside our realm as a social business owner. It's either going to, one, be the fuel to proceed with passion, or two, make a mid-course correction. But that's a topic for another episode. So we all know that at some point, it's going to be necessary to step away from our social business. So for now, here are some tips to make stepping away from your social business as painless as possible. I'm going to give you five tips in total. The first two are short-term. The last three are more long-term. My first two tips are immediate. So if you're about to leave or have left already, I have two suggestions for you. Check in and trust. Number one, have weekly, twice-weekly, or even daily check-ins on Zoom, FaceTime, WhatsApp, or some form of video. The visual will help a lot. It's If this is your first time, I suggest having a daily check-in. This will be good for you to see that the kitchen is not caught on fire. <laughs> it will be good for your staff to see your smiling, reassuring, confident face, basically expressing that you believe in them and their capabilities. Also, you can start with daily calls and then go down to, you know, maybe one call every other day. And you might find that you can taper off a bit. So in addition to checking in, the second thing, the second tip is to trust. Trust is built in the trenches, not on the mountaintops, my friend. Things happen. Not all will go right in a way that you might want them to go. But in my experience, it's not nearly as bad in your imagination tells you that it can be. One time I was going to be away and my assistant, she's a very good friend. She said, Trish, it may not be pretty, but we'll get it done. And they did. They did it their way. Now, not how I would have done it, but probably it worked out better in the end. Their way and their dedication brought me a little freedom that I wouldn't have had otherwise. One suggestion to build trust is on your video calls. Ask open-ended questions. For example, instead of, how are things going? The obvious answer is probably going to be some version of the local language, which is good or it's great. <laughs> instead, ask this, what's the best thing that happened today? And then maybe you can follow that up with what's been your biggest challenge today? How did you resolve it? And compliment them on whatever their response, even if it's not the best, it was their best at the time. And you can build on that in the future when you get back home. This builds bi-directional trust. Your trust in them builds trust in you and in themselves. Many times the job that they have to do, they have with you is the first time they've ever been shown respect in their lives. And you're stepping away. Your trust in them is not just about you. It's about them feeling value for themselves. This is about the transformation of their inner being. This is why you're a social entrepreneur and in social business, not just a plain entrepreneur in a traditional business. You are special. You have a higher calling 
to your employees and you're calling them up to who they they can be beyond what they see or have been told about themselves. And this only happens in an environment of mutual trust. Okay, those two tips were immediate. Check in and trust. Now these tips, these three tips are more long-term. So if you've already left, these are things that you can begin to implement when you get back in preparation for your next time away. Number one, written processes. Number two, checklists. And number three, intentional time away. A caveat to all three of these tips, they don't happen overnight. They happen over time. You can start with incremental steps and then build on them. So number one, have your processes written down in all the languages you and your staff use. Notice I didn't say you write down the processes. It's actually better to have the members of your team, your staff do it. So not only does this take a huge task off your list, but it also engages your staff. They are empowered to really take ownership of the processes, and they might even come up with a better way to do it than the ideas that you've had. And in, uh, if some of your staff don't read or write, that's okay. They can still be involved. So whether that is by voice or by sign language, they can dictate the, pro- dictate the process. They can basically say the process out or communicate the process by voice or sign language while someone else writes. This definitely doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time and it starts with getting the first process written down then the next, then the next. Tip number two, turn these written processes into checklists. Likely you have some of these already, but add them to everything you possibly can. Use Google Sheets so you can see them from wherever you are, as well as see the updates in real time. You can make columns or better yet have columns made by your staff for initials and dates. This leads to more transparency and accountability. Number three, intentionally step away for longer and longer periods of time to test the processes and checklists. For example, before you leave the country or your town where your business is physically located next time, maybe one day you work from home or someplace else where you're not easily, where you're easily accessible, but not in person. Maybe another day you take a hike or just turn off your phone for an hour, maybe two, so you're not accessible at all. There's not a single best way, but the idea is that this can be a gradual process for you and your staff. Let them run one process without you, empower them to manage the checklist, then another process. You could realistically invest six months with them, documenting the processes and creating the checklist depending on the scope of your business. And then over the next six months, you simply refine. So you check them, let them go through the process, you and testing your video communication system so that the next time you actually leave, it won't seem like much of a change for you or for your staff. Certainly not as drastic as it might be right now. So far, I've given you three universal truths about stepping away from your business. It's necessary, it's hard, and it's scary. I've also given you five tips to smooth the path. The two immediate tips are check-in and trust, 
three longer-term tips are written processes, checklists, and intentional time away. I've got one more universal truth about stepping away from your social enterprise. Number four, it's worth it. Your staff wants to make you proud. You may be shocked at what they're capable of. They may be shocked at what they're capable of. You may begin to find a level of freedom that you didn't even know was possible. I have one quick wrap-up story for you. My husband and I took a trip for our anniversary. For us, it's really crucial. One of the things I've learned that it's really crucial, not just for me, but for my marriage and our relationship to truly unplug from work and focus on each other and having fun together, just us. Though we travel quite a bit, we're a little bit like digital nomads, kind of working from wherever we are. So, and by the way, even though when we know we're going to be working, it's still the same pressure that I described to you before. Get as much done as possible. Get the most up balls out of my court. Tie up all the little things that could turn into big things. Give all the instructions we can. Leave as many details as possible. And wonder how things will stay together until we get to our destination. And how can we arrange to function when we are not in our familiar workspace? Still, we travel. Because that's just part of what we are called to do. So, you know, when you're called to do it, you go, despite the forces that push against you. But we do take one trip each year where we try to do as little work as possible and just enough to kind of keep things going and empower others to cover us for the rest of it. So this trip in particular can be a real doozy to get ready for both of us clicking away. And our last fun trip was in July. And we were a couple time zones ahead of our home in the U.S. So I checked my email before we set out for the day. And then I committed to using my phone only for taking pictures. So airplane mode all day, the whole workday. And I used my husband's phone for directions. So even if I was sitting somewhere idly, I didn't mindlessly, you know, open email, WhatsApp, or social. When we got back to our hotel that evening, I got onto Wi-Fi, kind of held my breath, opened email, held my breath as it's downloading, 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 and you guessed it. My phone blew up with new messages. (laughs) There was an email string, one in particular, that must have been 20 messages long. And looking, I, you know, just dreading seeing these things come in, come in, come in. And looking at the most current message of that 20 message long email string, thanks, so-and-so, all taken care of. It's crazy what happens when you're not around to fix everything. People will actually figure stuff out by themselves. If I'd had my phone on, or if I'd have been at home working, I'd have been wrapped up in that mess all day long. I'd have been consumed with it. Instead, I was living life for a day with my husband, making memories that I actually remember today, unlike the drama of daily work life, which would just go on and on forever if we let it. Instead, I was empowering others to operate in their giftings that day and experiencing the victorious feeling of working something out when they were energized to do it. Yes, leaving your social enterprise is necessary. It's hard, it's scary, and it is worth it. When it comes down to it, doesn't that pretty much describe social entrepreneurship in general? 
So the message of this episode, don't rob your staff of the blessing. Allow them space to discover their giftings and walk out their freedom. Go home, go on holiday, go to a retreat or a conference, be at peace, be present with the people you're with, the work, the stuff, it will all be there when you get back. Want to know how you can use your natural skills, personality, and talent to create the social enterprise of your dreams? Find out how to design a life-giving, sustainable, scalable impact business based on your social entrepreneur style with my What's Your Social Entrepreneur Style quiz. Whether you're dreaming of starting an impact business, already have a social enterprise and it's not as much fun as it used to be, or you have loads of experience and you want to make it better. I created a free 10-question quiz to help you gain more clarity about yourself and how to build or refine your social enterprise, not only to fit your style, but to find others who complement your style. Not only that, but with this newfound knowledge, you'll feel empowered to enhance your process instead of just focus on the results, which, let's face it, can take a while. To discover your social entrepreneur style, go to trishabaileyphd.com and take two minutes to answer 10 really fun questions about yourself and your business. You'll immediately find out whether you're a passionate go-getter, meticulous analyst, supportive mediator, or enthusiastic influencer. Then I'll send goodies and guidance to your inbox specifically curated for your unique style. You'll also get this super fun, this is me graphic that you can share on social that shows your style and your strengths. Talk about free, easy, and non-sleazy self-promo. Again, that's trishabaileyphd.com to find out your social entrepreneur style with my fun, fast, and free quiz. Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabaileyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.